Let's, let's just pray, shall we? Father, we want to thank you that your son promised that he would build his church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. And so, Father, as we stand on the confession of Peter that he is the Christ, the Son of the living God, we ask that you would uh, do that work here by your Spirit and through Christ build your church. We ask this in his precious name. Amen. Well, I caught up with the sermons uh, while I was away, and I noticed that when Peter Granger was here a few weeks ago, he stood up there and he said, now, uh, members of Charlotte Chapel, why do you exist? And and it seemed to me there was a slightly lackluster response. I I was distressed. I thought, I have to come back and teach more on this. And so uh, let's just give this another whirl, shall we? Uh, what What is the vision of Charlotte Chapel? You know, we've got plenty of time to get this sorted out. If we just get this done, it'll be good, all right? So uh, uh, the Shard Chapel vision is to... That's it, that's it, that's the vision. That's the vision. The vision is to glorify God. Let's say it together. What's the vision? Okay, that's good. Uh, We're missing the kids' slots, aren't we? Uh, kids slots were always for the adults. You know that, don't you? It was always... It's the one bit that the adults used to listen to. Anyway, the... The vision is to glorify God. Okay, next question. What is our mission? What is our mission? Well, that's good. That's encouraging. To make disciples. To make disciples. That's our mission, is to make disciples. And what's our goal of all nations? We want to make disciples of all nations. Uh, That is why Charlotte Chapel exists. Putting that together, we exist to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Uh, So if you're wondering in the middle of the night, what do we do? Just recall this. We are to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. That's what we're trying to do. We're making disciples locally. That's our mission and our goal is we want to make disciples globally as well of all nations. And so the reason uh, for this series is, of course, we've got this big historic uh, decision to make about moving a building, but of course, that's actually not the main deal. Uh, Buildings are just tools. They're just something to help us. Uh, Whether we get the building or not, this is what we're about, to glorify God by making disciples of all nations. Um, I don't know whether you've seen this graphic. It's been in the brochure. Uh, in a sense that there's three steps to this mission, which is to reach, build, send. We want to reach out with the gospel. We want to build people up with the gospel. We want to send people out with the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so this uh, series, Peter kicked us off very helpfully uh, by looking at this central theme of Scripture, that is that we are about to uh, the business of glorifying God. That is the whole of our life existence. And he unpacked that for us really well that we were created to glorify God. God is a glorious God. And he made us as image bearers to reflect back to him his glory. We were made to glorify God as we live our lives on planet Earth. And yet, uh, we we read the story, Genesis 3, uh, that whole plan gets disrupted by our rebellion and our sin. That image bearing gets fractured. And so uh, we're not glorifying God as we were made to do. 
And yet the amazing story of God's grace is that he doesn't just uh, put the whole thing in the rubbish bin and say, forget this, I'm going to start with a whole new universe. He actually chooses to come in and redeem this uh, this broken, fallen world. He comes to restore that image uh, of uh, his son in men and women through the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. And so as we put our trust in the Lord Jesus, he is uh, day by day, step by step, restoring us from one degree of glory to another, Paul says uh, in 2 Corinthians. Uh, that's what we're about, that we are here to glorify him. And then we've been thinking about these steps in the mission, when the mission is to make disciples. And last Sunday, Andy uh, kicked us off with this uh, idea of reaching out to the lost with the gospel. He, he reminded us from the book of Romans, our true lost state. Uh, as you walk around Edinburgh and see people enjoying the sunshine or people about to die from having run the marathon, everyone looks very healthy, everyone looks very happy, and, and everything looks fine. But the, this is the truth, according to God's word, that apart from Christ, this is what our state is. We're under the wrath of God. We will be judged and perish. We are God's enemies. We are under the reign of death. We are slaves to sin and impurity. We are hostile to God. We cannot please God. We are accursed. We are blind. We are cut off from Him. So, uh, see people with these biblical glasses. This is the truth of where people are at apart from Christ. People are truly lost apart from Christ. They are hellbound apart from Christ. And if this is the case, then we must be those who are committed to reaching out to the lost with the only message that can save the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And I wonder, how do you think of Charlotte Chapel? What sort of images are in your mind? I fear that sometimes we have in our minds that this is some sort of book club where we get together and, 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 and we're sort of an, a peculiar book club that's just interested in a very ancient book. But of course, we're not just a book club, are we? I think the image that we should be having in our minds is uh, that uh, what we are is a lifeboat. Uh, we're a lifeboat that is, is pulling up to the Titanic, uh, wanting to reach out to those who are uh, doomed on that ship that is taking in water. And many are simply oblivious to the danger. They're dancing away on the ballroom, enjoying their drinks, not knowing that the ship is going down. It's going down to the deep. And the only hope is to get into the lifeboat that is Jesus Christ. And we're that lifeboat in Edinburgh. That's what we are. We're a lifeboat in a city where 450,000 people don't go to any sort of church whatsoever. And I would take it that that would probably indicate that they are lost eternally. That's what we are. A lifeboat in a sea of hundreds of thousands of people going to hell apart from Christ. That is why we have to say that uh, this, this glorious uh, reason for being here, that we exist to glorify God by making disciples of all nations, is, is crucially needed. It is, it is no other institution, really, in society here in Edinburgh is about this business. But we're about this business of making disciples. The truth is, is that whether we're alive when Jesus comes back, or whether we die before that, we will all be raised to stand before a holy God and give an account for our lives. And on that day, there are eternal destinies decided, heaven 
or hell. It is that serious. Now is the day of decision. Now, I want us to move to this next step of the mission, which is, is to build up the saved with the gospel. Now, where do we get these ideas? Well, I could point to our history and say, actually, his, historically, it's always been what we're about. Uh, as, a, as a pastor here, I'm under no illusions that somehow this is a, a great new idea that this new pastor has brought in. Praise God, this is what this church has been about for 200 years. This is what we've all been engaging in. Uh, it, it, is what, it is what the founding pastor, Christopher Anderson, decided that he wanted this church to be about when he started it in 1808. He had uh, uh, these three great aims 204 years ago. Uh, that this would be a church in which, in which and through which the Lord Jesus Christ would be glorified. And that it would be a church that would grow through evangelism and that we would be doctrinally stable, being well taught in the scriptures. And that's what it's been about from its inset. That's what it's continuing to be. That's what we're saying it's about today. But of course, we're not going to just rely on history. We're going to go further back than that. We're going to go back to Scripture. So turn to Matthew chapter 28. Very familiar passage. Matthew chapter 28. If you're new and you don't know your way around the Bible, you'll find it on page 1001 in the church Bibles. Uh, There should be one around you. Page 1001 in the church Bibles. Matthew 28. Verse 18. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So this is how Matthew finishes his gospel. All the chapters before this have told us the good news about Jesus, that he came in fulfillment to the Old Testament scriptures, which is the kind of the first half of our Christian Bibles. Uh, that he was the long-promised king, the Christ. That he was bringing in an everlasting kingdom of restored relationship to God and blessing. And Matthew has recounted the life of Jesus, his teaching, his miracles, and how he gathered disciples to himself to teach them in his earthly ministry. And, and then, you know, centrally, he focuses the big bulk of his gospel on the last week of the life of Jesus and he zooms in really on the death of Jesus the cross of Jesus and then he shows how he was raised from the dead and then we get to this chapter of this uh, these final words so this book so far has explained how Jesus fulfills the old covenant how he brings in the new covenant uh, through his death upon the cross that that was a sin-bearing death Uh, that Jesus paid the price for our sin, that his body was being broken, his blood was going to be poured out to start this new covenant 
so that we could have a relationship with God. As he dies upon the cross, the temple curtain is torn in two. And so the point is that we can now go into the presence of a holy God. And he invites us to call him Father by virtue of his life and death for us, for all who trust him. That is the good news of the gospel. And so having spelt that out, we get to this closing uh, section. And we have three great statements here. Verse 18, the great authority of Jesus. All authority in heaven on earth has been given to me. There Jesus stands in resurrection life. And he says, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. This world belongs to Jesus. Um, You know, when we go to people, we don't say, please make him Lord. He is Lord. We're saying, recognize his lordship. He has all authority in heaven and on earth. Every person owns their their humble service and allegiance to, to King Jesus. He has authority over everyone. And then from that, we get this great commission of verse 19. This is how we should respond to the glorious good news about Jesus Christ. We are called to make disciples of him. He and his earthly ministry gathered people around him who were his disciples. And then he stands there in resurrected glory. All authorities come to me. Now I want you to go out and make disciples of Jesus. So notice with me, uh, quite simply... That this is a command not merely to reach out with the gospel. It is a command not merely to make decisions. It is a command to make disciples. It's not less than evangelism, but it is so much more. And this is what we mean by building up the saved with the gospel. It's quite simple really, isn't it? Let's let's think out the steps here. Um, Next slide. Uh, There are people out there that are lost. And what they need to hear is the good news of the gospel. And some of them will respond to the gospel. And they'll become Christians. And the next important step is they need to be followed up as baby Christians. uh, Be taught what the Christian life is about. uh, To to be taught the baby steps of the Christian life. But of course, uh, that is an ongoing process of growth right through our lives we trust and hope. We're called to grow in grace, grow in likeness to Christ, grow in holiness, grow in godliness, to grow up in our salvation, to grow into maturity. All these are repeated refrains in the New Testament of growth. And that's what we mean by being built up. We're into reach, build, and we're going to come to send next week. So look back at Matthew 28. The main verb there is make disciples. That's the main thing. And there's three kind of doing words that get a bit hidden by our English translation. But there's kind of three key tasks of disciple making. Can you see them? Let's check you're awake. It's a hot day. Three. Have we got one? Go. Going. Going. Next one. Baptizing. What a Baptist church, folks. That's us. Third one. Teaching. Three steps. Going, baptizing, teaching. How did the apostles work this out in their ministry? Well, let's just turn over to Acts chapter 2. It is uh, in the church calendar, Pentecost Sunday. And so let's go to Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. 
You'll find this on page 1093. How did they work this out? Well, when the Spirit of God came upon them, what did they do? They preached the gospel. They preached about Jesus. This is the great mark of being a Spirit-filled Christian. It's not speaking in tongues. It's not falling over. It is that you will speak about Jesus Christ. Uh, So there's Peter. He stands up and addresses the crowd that's gathered at this strange sight of people speaking in multiple languages. And look at Acts chapter 2, verse 22. This is where he gets into the gospel part. Men of Israel, listen to this. Jesus of Nazareth was a man accredited by God to you by miracles, wonders, and signs, which God did among you through him, as you yourselves know. This man was handed over to you by God's set purpose and foreknowledge. And you, with the help of wicked men, put him to death by nailing him to the cross. But God raised him from the dead, freeing him from the agony of death, because it was impossible for death to keep its hold on him. So he preaches the gospel. And then what happens? Well, look at the response. Go to uh, verse 36. As he finishes up, therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The Spirit fills his apostles. They preach the good news about Jesus And some accept the message. And what's the next thing that happens to show their response? They're baptized. They're baptized. Here I am in Charlotte Baptist Chapel. I'm surprised you're so timid on that one. They were baptized. This is the beginning point of discipleship. I don't really know how 3,000 people get baptized in one day, but they managed it. That You would be tired, wouldn't you? You need somebody to massage your arms. And uh, help you keep going with 3,000. I imagine they had a few people doing it, but that's extraordinary. Do you see that is the, is, is the first step of discipleship, baptism, to mark your allegiance to the one God that exists in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And if you're a Christian here today, and you've not been baptized, well, get to, get to base one. Get baptized. What hinders you? Uh, we can open up this tub down here anytime. And in fact, there's baptism classes this afternoon at 4 o'clock. So why don't you come along and get to base one and be baptized. And, and, and notice that that baptism then immediately slots them into a new unity with God's people. Uh, verse 41, um, those who accept his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. That baptism marked them out to be part of this new covenant people of God, the church. The baptism is what linked them with kind of church membership. 
Christianity knows nothing about living sort of a, a vital relationship with the Lord Jesus that's not linked with an active participation in a local church. You just don't see it in Scripture. And, and look, look at their life together. Verse 42, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. What thrilling days. But you know, until the Lord comes back, we are in the same day. These are the last days. They've been the last days since the, since the Spirit was poured out. And this is what uh, is going on in the world today. The Lord Jesus is bringing men and women, boys and girls to himself, through the gospel, uh, who are getting baptized and linking up with local churches and living lives for his glory. So the first step is baptism. And the second step of, verse, of, of Matthew 18 is teaching. Go back to uh, Matthew 28. What are they to teach? According to verse 20. Are they, are they, are they merely to teach what Jesus taught? They're not, are they? It's very interesting. He doesn't just say, teach them, to, teach them everything I've said. No. That's not the job. That's not discipleship. What is it? Teaching them to obey. Obey, obey everything I commanded. There are some who claim to be Christians. Who are living lives that are not in obedience to Christ's teaching. Or to God's word. And all you can say at that point is, well, I'm afraid you're a bit deluded. Because the only discipleship that counts is discipleship that obeys the teaching of Scripture, that obeys the teaching of Christ. Now, we've got a strong commitment to expository preaching. Uh, this is a rare Sunday where we're jumping around the Bible a bit. We have a strong commitment to small group Bible studies and, and the importance of understanding scripture and, and, and theology. But all of this teaching is useless if all it does is fill our heads with knowledge. The point and the goal is obedience to Christ. Isn't that right? Isn't that what the word says? See, the growth of Christian discipleship is, is day by day as we read God's word, week by week as we hear it preach, that we hear what God says and we go out that week and we do it. We do it. We obey it. We bring our lives under the authority of King Jesus. And though my heart and my affections and my thinking sometimes wants to go somewhere completely different, no, discipleship is saying, no, I, I'm going to put to death those things that are contrary to Christ, and I'm going to submit my life to Christ and to his teaching. I'm going to do what Jesus says. I'm going to do what the Bible says. That is what we're about. That is the daily growth of discipleship. And it's what we learned from the book of James, wasn't it, very recently? How useless to be the guy who looks in the mirror, sees something wrong, and walks away and does nothing about it. We're not to be merely hearers of the word, but doers of it also. Christian growth uh, of being built up in our faith, of course, is, is not just a solo activity. It is a group 
activity. We, we grow by being part of a church family. So let's turn to our uh, New Testament reading that was done earlier, Ephesians chapter 4. I know I'm teaching you something that I've taught you before. This is familiar stuff. And Ephesians 4 presents that we need church for at least two reasons. We need to come to church because we need to be fed and equipped by God's word through pastors, teachers, and evangelists. Have a look at uh, chapter 4 and verse 11. It was he, Jesus, the risen Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. So we need to come to church because we need to learn from those that God has given uh, to uh, to pastor and teach and the evangelist to remind us of uh, the gospel. We need that to be equipped for this every member ministry that we're engaged in, that we're all engaged in works of service um, and that together we build up the body of Christ. See, the truth is that we need to come to church because none of us has all the gifts and at times we all get lonely and we struggle and we need one another. We need this mutual ministry of love. We're living in a toxic world. The moment you step out of that room, you're just, you're just surrounded by poison that is anti-God, anti-gospel, that is the world, the flesh, and the devil. And so we desperately need each other to gather together and to love each other and to use the gifts that God has given us to love and serve one another. So look at verse uh, 15. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will in all things grow up into him who is the head that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined and held together by every sporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. We're a lifeboat, and we're a love boat. This is a loving lifeboat. That's what it should be. Uh, you, you, you come from an unfriendly world, and you come around brothers and sisters who love you. And that, uh, that's why I think it's so important the time we spend after the formal time is over, uh, that's why it's valuable that we have these other small groups that happen in church life so that we can really get to know each other and care for each other as brothers and sisters in Christ. And sometimes we're going to irritate each other like crazy because we are all awkward, repentant sinners. But that's too a means of God's grace as we learn to forgive each other and love each other and care for each other. And that's one of the reasons I'm excited about the new building. Because I think this building doesn't help us in that mutual ministry. Okay. Uh, this command of Matthew 28. Let's go back to it.
built into this. It's given to the apostles, isn't it? The apostles are told to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Well, does that mean that since the apostles are gone, it's not ours? Well, no. Just the logic of it. If the apostles are going to teach people to obey everything he's commanded, then what's included in that? It is the Great Commission, isn't it? That Great Commission comes straight to us. Now, there's nothing new in what I've said to you today, is there? Nothing new. And you might be sitting there going, oh, how dull. No new teaching today. No fascinating scripture to grapple around with in my mind. No fresh insights. But here's the question. Are we obeying what we already know? That's the challenge, isn't it? I mean, how many times have you heard a sermon on Matthew 28? More times than you care to remember, probably. The question is, are we obeying that command? See, what's that third aspect of disciple-making? It was right at the beginning. It's that going, going, go and make disciples. The Lord Jesus stands uh, post-resurrection and he says to his disciples, go, go, as you go. Make disciples. And what does that say to us? It speaks, does it not, of a certain direction, focus, uh, that the energy is required, uh, that uh, this is something we're about, we're supposed to be getting on with. Go. You know, some people come to me and they say I, I really want to know what God's will is for my life and I've got these big decisions and well sometimes it isn't that hard go and make disciples that's that's the command isn't it uh, if they're single people there's there's Genesis chapter 1 go and make babies fill the earth so get married and have babies uh, you, you're a Christian go and make disciples so these are these are two great simple plans for your life uh, get married have babies Raise them to know Jesus and go and make disciples. Oh, well, there's lots of other commands, but there's two biggies to be getting on with. Not sure what to do with your life? Well, you, whatever stage you're at, you can apply that to your life right now. Go to the next slide. Someone has calculated that they reckon there's about 450,000 in Edinburgh not attending any church. Now, let's try and make this a little bit more quantifiable. What would it take for us to reach 10%? What would it take for us to reach 45,000 people with the gospel? Praise God, there's other churches, so let's let them worry about the other 90%. Let's just say 10% are ours to take care of. Really, if everyone in this room, what's it going to take for us to obey the command of Christ and seek to go and make disciples and reach out to 45,000 people here in Edinburgh? Well, what if 600 of us here uh, were able to share the gospel with one person and see them become a Christian? You probably need to share the gospel with a few more than one. But let's say each one of us was able to, each member was able to share the gospel and see one person saved this year and uh, get baptized, become a member here. And then next year, all the members that were here next year, which would be 1,200 people, that they did exactly the same thing. In seven and a half years, we would get it covered. 
Only seven and a half years we could do this. We'd need a bigger building if we had 45,000 people. It's a simple observation. Uh, we would need a bigger building. And the truth is, we would need to start a lot more churches, wouldn't we? A lot more churches. But that'd be okay, wouldn't it? I'd be up for the ride, wouldn't you? Would that not be pretty exciting? Currently, we basically see about 10 people coming to Christ each year. Praise God for each one. Each one's precious. Each one is precious. But basically, I would say right now, the number of new members that come in replace those who are going to glory or who leave uh, to head off somewhere else. So our numbers are about the same. Uh, which means that actually, gradually, our congregation is getting younger because generally the people who come in are younger than those who go to glory. So that's a good thing. But we're not even scratching the surface of reaching 45,000 people for Christ. So can I ask you, how are you? If you're a member here, if you're not a member and you're, and you're, a, you're not a Christian yet and you're here, we're, we're thrilled you're here. Um, and I hope you feel so at home here. But let's say you're a Christian here, you're a member here. How are you currently involved in disciple making? It's very easy in a big church to think someone else is going to do it. How are you currently? I mean, last week, what did you do last week that actually was actively about making disciples? If Jesus says, go, make disciples, what did you do last week in obedience to that? What's the plan this week? to make disciples this week? What, what's in the diary? What have you got scheduled to obey uh, the risen Lord Jesus Christ? What's planned? Because he's told us, hasn't he? I mean, there's no point going to further teaching if we haven't followed this one. Praise God, right now, there are lots of people engaged in making disciples. I mean, right now, I mean, praising God that there's all these folk who are teaching our children in Sunday school, do you know what they're doing? They're making disciples. There are people investing their time and their energy to teach over 70 children right now to, to learn about Jesus, to learn about why he came, why he died, how to put their trust in him, how the whole of scriptures point to Jesus. And that is a, just a brilliant way to make disciples. Uh, praise God, on Friday night, there's lots of people involved with, uh, about 180 people involved with uniformed organizations, seeking to commend Christ to those who don't know him yet. That's fantastic. Right now, uh, in Ely, there are people being dragged behind a banana boat for Jesus. Uh, as, the, as, as the focus group are meeting in Ely and Lonnie Bell is teaching them, they are investing their lives to make disciples. And so my question to, in a sense, I want to ask each member here, what are you actively doing to make disciples? I, I, I'm challenged by this myself. Who have I sought to share the gospel with in the last week? Who am I meeting one-to-one to, -one to uh, read the Bible with them and, and, and encourage them to grow as a disciple? It's not hard to understand what the Lord's calling us to do, is it? And there's a huge need. Praise God for all those who are engaged. I want to enlist more of you. 
I want you to prayerfully consider this week how you can step forward in making disciples this week. There's lots of ways you could do it. If you're really not sure what to do, how to do it, come and speak to an elder. Come and speak to someone on the pastoral team. That's why we're here. We're here to equip all the saints to engage in this work of building up the body of Christ. It can feel a bit overwhelming, the task, can't it? But it only takes seven and a half years if we all did one person each every year. So it's doable. It can feel overwhelming, but let's finish with the great promise of verse 20. And surely, the Lord Jesus says, I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is a promise to us. If we want to know an ever-increasing reality of the living Christ with us, go on mission with Christ and make disciples. He promises to go with those who are engaged in making disciples. Go, uh, I I am with you always to the very end of the age. He is uh, Emmanuel, God with us. And when he is with us, he is promising all his grace, all his power, all his strength, all his mercy as he goes with us. Let's pray.